0: Welcome to Mission Connect, a podcast brought to you by Passion to Reach Ministries, designed to equip you to connect with God's mission for your life. I'm Emily James, your host, here with co-host, Passion to Reach's founder and director, Pastor Fanu I. Hey, Pastor Fanu, how are you?
1: I'm doing great, Emily, and excited for another Mission Connect podcast.
0: Yes, we have a guest on with today that I know is just going to really empower people in their walk with God. So, but before we get bring him on, um, we have a part of Passion to Reach and another organization actually called Ccan that works with churches and the community, bringing them together. So, why don't you tell people a little bit about that?
1: Absolutely. Emily, you know, uh, obviously we have a special guest on the podcast today, and uh, he's going to talk a little bit about uh, reaching communities. And one of the things that we discovered uh, here at Passion to Reach was uh, we needed an arm of our ministry uh, that was a non-religious entity, but that would serve the needs of communities across the GTA. And so we work with churches uh, across our city, and uh, we help them through uh, C-C-A-N, which is the Canadian Community Alliance Network. So C-C-A-N. Uh, and basically what C-CAN, is what we call it here, uh, does is help the church connect with the people in their community through practical outreach ideas and mm-hmm. helping them implement those things. So it could be something like a back-to-school event or a Christmas outreach or something for Thanksgiving or maybe a summer camp that that we help the church host. And many times churches struggle. They say, we don't know how to host a camp. We don't have the volunteers or we don't have the, the, the strategic plan of how to, you know, all the things you have to do to make sure that the event uh, goes well. And it could be uh, things that are spiritual, like equipping leaders that will lead the outreaches, or it could be something practical, like how do we get the right kind of insurance to cover mm-hmm. us when we go out into the community and serve people? So uh, that's really what CCAN does. It's sort of a bridge between the local church and the community. So our website is canadacan.org. So canadacan, C-A-N, C-A-N.org. So check us out on there. And if you are part of a church or you're a church leader that says, you know what, we want to do something practical in our community, uh, then get in touch with us. And we'd love to help you reach people right around the community where your church is placed.
0: Awesome. Now on that same um, length, we are having a guest on who is a national influencer. He's leading a nationwide organization called Outreach Canada. He's the executive director. So let's welcome Craig Kraft to the show.
1: Let's do it. So it's great to have Craig Kraft from uh, Outreach Canada on the Mission Connect podcast today. Craig, thank you for being on the podcast. Uh, thank you, Fanu. It's
2: great to be with you and Emily today. Looking forward to this.
0: Yes, thank you for being here.
1: Uh, Craig, you know, we usually like to start off with, and we've got so much we want to talk to you about, especially mm-hmm. about Canada and what God is doing across our nation when it comes to mission and uh, and leadership as well. But how did you come to faith in Christ? And, and Craig, you know, we, we talk about this because sometimes... Uh, this happens. I was uh, probably 15, 16 when I felt called to ministry. And I remember looking at people that were in ministry uh, and doing great things for God, checking out their websites, looking at the pictures. I'm like, man, I mean, the angel of the Lord had to have appeared to them directly. And <laughs> you know, they were taken from wherever they were and put on a massive platform. And God said, go for it, right? And uh, now, a few years later, I'm like, yeah, that's not how it works. So we all have a story, a journey where God met us. So Where did God meet you? And uh, what was your journey of coming to faith in Christ and uh, discovering uh, your call from God?
2: Well, when I was younger, I always wished I had one of those phenomenal stories like falling out of an airplane and the Lord reached out and grabbed me and set me on the ground and said, this is the plan that I have for you, Craig. But it wasn't anything like that for me. Um, I'm actually a third generation pastor. Um, And so I grew up in a Christian home. I was surrounded by Christian influence, um, I, I lived what you'd, you'd call a protected life. Mm. Um, my grandf- we attended the church where my grandfather was uh, the lead pastor mm. in in a mega church in California back before mega churches were popular. Mm-hmm. And my father was on staff. My father um, was in charge of the Christian ed department and started a Bible school um, in the San Jose area when I was a kid. And so I grew up in the church quite literally. I was there. My mom played piano in the worship team and uh, my brother and I would sit in the front pew uh, with the eyes of my dad and my grandfather and my mother on us. And <laughs> uh, we knew we had to sit still and behave. Right, um, And so I, I, I'm not sure my exact age, but it was when I was about four years old. I remember coming home and I still remember it to this day, uh, coming home from Sunday school and, uh, with my mom, my dad was still at church probably for another service and, uh, sitting in our living room, looking out the window at the sunshine and asking my mom what I needed to do to make sure I would go to heaven. And so just with that childlike faith, I remember praying with my mom, um, to receive Christ as my savior. And of course, um, a four-year-old doesn't understand a lot. So there was a lot of growing and discipling as I, um, became a youth and a teenager and a young adult and different times in life where I had opportunities to reaffirm my faith, but I, I never really wandered from my faith. I, um, I, I did my best to follow the Lord. I had some great people uh, who were great influences in my life mm. from a, an early age on. And um, I, I just have this wonderful, wonderful heritage that I know most people uh, in life don't have. And I, I just really cherish that.
1: Wow, that's that's incredible. You know, what, as you're talking, I'm thinking about uh, the, the flip side of it. You know, you're saying how, uh, well, I don't have the the story where, you know, God sort of appears to me and, you know, this radical conversion necessarily. Uh, but I'm looking at somebody that is third generation in ministry. And I think that's a miracle mm-hmm. because I, I feel like there's a lot of young people that grow up in the church space and especially mm-hmm. if their parents are involved in ministry and in your case, your grandparents as well, that get turned off um, from church and Christ and, you uh, sort of, um, you know, don't want anything to do with it. And so what would you say to the young person that is in church that has grown up in church, um, and is not quite sure if, you know, they need to take a detour and go exploring a little bit, you know, and, uh, and check out what's out there, if you will, because they were, as you say, protected, or they are, as you say, protected from um, from a lot of the influences of the world. What would you, how would you encourage somebody mm-hmm. that uh, has has grown up in that in, in that sort of scenario um, when it comes to staying the course and uh, discovering what God has for them?
2: In some ways, I think um, you know, looking back over my life, in some ways, I think it's it can be harder. To grow up with that Christian heritage, mm-hmm. because you're f- spoon-fed your faith from such mm-hmm. a young age, mm-hmm. and you adopt so much that's it's cultural. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's part of the family. Uh, it's part of the your family routine that you go to church ten times a week. Um, And you pray before your meals and you do your devotionals and all those things. And I didn't know any different until I started having friends in public school that um, didn't have the same uh, heritage and the same upbringing. But then when you come to uh, challenging points in life, it really causes you to go deep and... And ask the question, is this my faith or is it just my heritage? Mm. Uh, do I own this? And, and I've had several moments in my life. Um, I was lead, a lead pastor in a church when I was about 27 years old. And uh, it was while I was pastoring that congregation that my mom passed away with cancer.
1: Mm. Uh,
2: followed six months later by the passing of my mother-in-law and in between the two of them the birth of our third child Mm. it was a a tumultuous time Mm. and all the while trying to lead a um, a medium-sized church that was uh, you know on a growth trend and um, lots going on a very demanding time and there were times that even as a pastor leading the church, preaching gospel messages every Sunday, I'd come home and I would be scratching my head and wondering, you know, where is the reality of all of this? How does my faith equip me to handle, you know, the tragedies of close uh, family members passing away, long, long, difficult struggles with cancer um, and the Lord met me in those times. The Lord met me in those opportunities, um, not as a bright light, not as a you know a thundering voice, but in that that still soft voice um, of assurance, of comfort and and, and peace
1: uh,
2: in in the really dark days, uh, and just knowing that I wasn't alone. And then it gives you the, the opportunity to reach back into that heritage and, and tap into the faith of family members and people who you can talk to and who can encourage you. So I, I would say to people grow, who've grown up in the church, who've been isolated, I have four boys. I have four sons. Okay. My eldest son is 26. My youngest is 18. So I've got uh, four guys that I'm walking this journey with mm-hmm. on a daily basis Is they're all... Um, you know, public school kids—they work in the um, the public sector. They're surrounded by all sorts of influences here in Vancouver that are mm-hmm. uh, not what what I grew up with. That's for sure. Right. And you know, I think we need to live as a part of this world. Um, I'm part of a generation that tried to isolate ourselves from the world. Mm-hmm. And you know, my parents, my grandparents. Raised me to be different, raised me to uh, with kind of this protection mentality that we need to protect our our young people from the evils of the world, mm-hmm. but eventually you walk outside your door and you hit it mm-hmm. you know, so yeah. my kids are far more exposed you know they've been missionaries on the field in Africa uh, they've been involved in a lot of uh, different types of ministries, feeding people on the street they've experienced um, The challenges of ministry overseas. They've experienced it here in Canada. Um, I hope that they're grounded in their faith enough that it gives them um, at least the place to go for answers when they hit the big questions and challenges in life. But I don't think there's anything that totally prepares us other than the presence of the Holy Spirit when we hit those moments.
1: Wow. Mm -hmm. Um, Craig, I just want to also go back for a moment to how did you come into the ministry? Um, So I I guess those are the couple of things. One is if you you grew up in a Christian home many times, you're like, this is my parents' faith. I'm not even sure if I believe this, but even harder sometimes is I want to do what I saw my grandfather do and my father do. And, you know, church world is not always kind to the minister and to the pastor. And a lot of times children are exposed to that as well. So how did you come to that moment when you said, you know what, I want to be in ministry. I want to be a part of God's mission uh, where he's placed me. And by the way, also the transition from America to, to Canada and how that, how that happened.
2: I guess I have to be totally honest, Panu, and, and you're going to expose this to the entire world. So uh, my story, um, I think it goes back to about grade 10 or grade 11 in high school, still living in California. And um, we had a career day at our high school. And part of that career day was they brought in people from all sorts of different careers that were sharing and you could sign up for seminars to learn about what's it like to be a police officer, to be a lawyer and so forth. A friend of mine and I were um, looking down the list of all the different occupations, trying to find one that wasn't there Hmm. Um, because we figured if we could find something that wasn't being provided, we could have our own professional development day at the beach. (laughs) And uh, so we realized there was no clergy. There was no pastor, no clergy, anything on the list. So that's what we signed up for. We said, we're going into the ministry. It's nothing for the, at the school for us. So we took the day off with our parents' blessing. <laughs> the problem is my dear mother shared that with my grandfather who decided he would create his own professional development day for my buddy and I Uh, So we got to spend the day with my grandpa. (laughs) I remember doing a hospital visit with him. I remember spending part of the morning with him as he shared some devotionals with us, uh, working on a sermon and uh, spending time in a staff meeting. And we didn't get to go to the beach that day. And I didn't. I, I couldn't break my grandfather's heart. He was so excited to hear that I was interested in the ministry. And in reality, Fanu, it was the last thing on my mind,
1: oh.
0: you
2: know, mm-hmm. growing up in a, a Christian home, particularly with pastor family. Um, I wasn't a pastor kid brat, but, you know, I had seen how much time was spent, uh, how, how busy a pastor's life is. Uh, I really regretted that we never had long weekends. When my friends would go away on a long weekend, uh, we didn't do that because we had to be at church on Sunday. And we worked on weekends or my dad worked on weekends and, and Christmas when everyone else was going on big vacations, we had to stay around cause that was a, a busy time at the church and Easter. And I just thought, man, I, I'll do anything. God wants me to do, but be a pastor. <laughs> and so because of my deception and my dishonesty and my grandfather jumping all over it, I think the Holy spirit had told him what was going on. And, uh, I didn't have the heart to say, no, Grandpa, I'm not really interested in this. And God used that. He opened my eyes to something that I really had a passion for. And um, I, I decided I'd go to, to Bible school when I graduated from uh, high, school, uh, high school and went on to Bible school. Still not certain what the Lord wanted me to do, but open uh, to his leading. And so I, I did my degree at Bible school. And uh, partway through that, an opportunity arose to go and do, spend a summer in the Philippines as a short-term missionary. Mm-hmm. And I thought maybe that's something that I would enjoy. So I went to the Philippines and I spent uh, two months Uh, in the Philippines, and I got deathly ill. I ate or drank something that put me in the hospital for a week, and I barely had the strength to get on the plane to come home at the end of our term. And I just vowed right then and there, I said, okay, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever, except I'm not going to be a missionary. I can't handle this. And so you know the lord opened opportunities for me to be involved in youth ministry and then that grew and eventually a church called us one day out of the blue and said hey would you consider coming and uh, being our lead pastor and i was i was terrified i wasn't a trained preacher i didn't know how to run a whole church and um, but the opportunity was there and we felt the Holy Spirit calling us and we went and uh, he equipped us to do what we needed to do um, we had good mentors had good coaches we learned a lot we grew a lot in the church um, the church really thrived while we were doing that
0: So here you are now, you're really reaching the nation of Canada and through Outreach Canada. So how did you go? Take us through that journey on how you went from uh, a local pastor. Again, it seems like you kind of just... Fell into that in certain scenarios, in a sense, um, obviously through God's leading. But how did you get to this place now from a local church pastor to now um, leading this organization that is working with the church nationwide?
2: Okay, well, Fanu also asked about how I ended up in Canada. Uh, When I was in grade, uh, well, Part of my childhood, my dad was pastoring in Canada, and we moved back and forth. But when I was in entering grade 12, my father came to Canada as one of the founders of Outreach Canada. Okay. And uh, this ministry was, was born in 1984, and our family moved here in 1985. And I've just stayed in Canada ever since. So I got into pastoral ministry first through um, youth ministry and then um, grew into the the role of being a lead pastor. Um, I was a pastor here for just over 14 years in B.C. and Alberta. And then one day, totally out of the blue... Uh, received a phone call from someone who ended up being one of my dad's friends. Um, He was a missionary in Africa and they were looking for someone with pastoral experience to come and help them train pastors in Zimbabwe and Swaziland. Mm. And, um, I guess my dad had given him my name as someone that uh, might be interested um, but he had never shared that with me. So the phone call came as an enormous shock Mm -hmm. and my wife and I started praying about this possibility of becoming missionaries and um, the Lord opened our heart to it. We knew lots of missionaries. Of course I'd grown up around a lot of missionaries and we thought, yeah, maybe this is something God would want us to do later in life after our kids are out of school. But the Lord had a different timeline. And from that initial phone call, it was probably um, less than a year uh, from that phone call before we had resigned from our church, started raising support, and we're headed off to Africa. Um, It just came as a whirlwind. And during that process, there's a story I've told many, many times how uh, we were praying with the missionary couple from Africa. They were home on an assignment and we were able to meet with them and pray with them. And they just prayed. And at the end of the prayer, Kathy, our dear friends, um, had prayed, Lord, would you just give Craig and Heather um, multiple confirmations of your will for their life? And it was, you know, you, you often pray with people and you remember the prayer, but you don't remember the words. And mm-hmm. those words, multiple confirmations, just rang in my head year after year mm-hmm. after year uh, because they started coming. Uh, the very next morning, my four-year-old son said, Daddy, will you take me to Africa for my birthday? And at this point, he didn't even know we were considering Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, He was very specific about where he wanted to go and what he wanted to see. And for a four-year-old to come up with that, we knew it had to be from the Holy Spirit. And over the next couple months, there was just um, confirmation after confirmation after confirmation from friends, from things we read, from what we were hearing uh, in our devotions. And uh, the Lord just turned our hearts. And we made a decision very quickly to um, resign from our church and become missionaries Mm -hmm. to Africa
1: that's incredible i mean um to make that transition uh from you know north america especially with the family uh that's a sacrifice and uh uh you know how long were you in africa for greg
2: well when we when we went to africa we went expecting it was going to be a a long term the rest of our life we packed everything mm-hmm. we owned in a big shipping container and had it sent to south africa um and, and we arrived, we, we spent just over three years, uh, lived in Johannesburg, and from there I would travel into Swaziland and Zimbabwe um, quite regularly. Um, and it was a great opportunity, we loved it, we loved the people. And uh, toward the end of our third year, uh, Outreach Canada was looking for a new executive director. My dad was preparing to step down as the executive director. And the board came uh, and visited us in Africa and asked if we would consider coming back. Wow. It was a really difficult uh, situation for us. We loved Africa, wanted to stay. Uh, But we felt that specifically for our kids, where they were... um, our eldest was nearing graduation from high school. Our youngest was just entering elementary and struggling with the system in Africa. And we just felt the Lord saying, um, you did what I asked you to do. Now I'm ready to take you somewhere else and mm-hmm. bless you and um, and build you to be something different. And so we came back. We accepted the call to come back and uh, spent six months in transition and then took over as the executive director of Outreach Canada.
1: Incredible. So let's get to what we're talking about today. And what I'm really excited about uh, hearing from you on is mission in Canada, and Mm -hmm. uh, this whole idea of our nation being a mission field today. I mean, there was a time, Craig, as we know, where we were, quote, unquote, a Christian nation. I mean, whatever that means, whatever percentages, uh, you know, would justify calling a nation a Christian nation. But Uh, and we were sending missionaries around the world, but really things have changed in our nation and we need uh, missionaries in Canada. And so you've come back then from Africa on mission in Canada. That's what Outreach Canada does as well. So talk to us about mission in Canada. And, you know, I know that's, that's a lot as far as, I mean, West coast to East coast, you know, sea to sea, but what do you see overall? And then we'll get into some of the specifics of uh, what you're doing uh, as far as equipping leaders. But just overall, uh, 10,000 feet, what's happening in our nation when it comes to mission?
2: In the early 80s, Billy Graham did a crusade out here in Vancouver. And at the end of that crusade, he said that Vancouver was the, um, spiritually, was the darkest city he felt he had ever done a crusade in. Wow. Um, wow. And so, as we were, as our mission was um, getting ready to launch into Canada, it was decided we would come to Vancouver. Um, the, the percentage of evangelicals in Vancouver, Victoria, our, our lower mainland here, is um, probably the lowest of anywhere in Canada, um, rivaling Quebec. Um, it, it's a dark, it's a challenging place. Now, God is doing some amazing things out here. Um, I've seen that you've you've had Mark Clark on. Uh, one of your podcasts and that's just an incredible story of how God is doing amazing things out here. Mm -hmm. Um, that wasn't the case in the eighties. It was a dark place. Mm. So our ministry started here. Our mission statement is, um, to see the nation of Canada transformed by the presence of Christ in the life of our people by making disciples of Jesus Christ and serving leaders across our nation. Mm -hmm. We do that by working with churches. Um, Some mission agencies are very um, focused on evangelism and discipleship, and they go out and and they do their work. But the disciples that they're making aren't always connected with local churches. Um, Everything that we do is done in partnership with local churches. So we, we work hard to maintain good, strong, healthy relationships with denominations across the country. There are exciting things happening in Quebec, and Quebec is known around the world as uh, one of the unreached, probably the most unreached people group in Canada. Mm. Um, mm. But God is doing some exciting things there. Um Church Planting Canada is a ministry that we're involved with, and we've had our last couple of uh, national congresses in Quebec, uh, in the city of Montreal, to become more acquainted with what God is doing there. There's um, new... Uh, immigrant churches popping up all over the place. There's exciting new partnerships. There's there's partnerships taking place between different denominations, where Baptists and Pentecostals and even Catholics are working together uh, to see new churches planted in various parts of the city. That's really exciting. That's a movement that could only be brought by the Holy Spirit. Um, the challenge in be in Canada right now. Uh, That I see is that our conservative Protestant or evangelical churches, uh, we've maintained about 8% of the population. If you study Bibby's work, uh, Reg Bibby says that we've maintained about 8% um, going all the way back to about uh, 1890, I believe. And then it's only in the last uh, 10 or so years that we've seen a little bit of an uptick uh, that may be upwards to uh, close to 11% of the population that would identify as evangelical. Meanwhile, at that same time, particularly over the last 20 years, we've watched uh, a group that was very small, those who considered themselves uh, the religious nuns, uh, identifying as no religion, went from, you know, just a couple percent um, 20 or 30 years ago to where now it's, it's over 20% of our population identify as mm-hmm. non-religious or un, uh, as nuns. And so there's a lot of interesting dynamics that are going on there. And uh, a lot of our good Canadian Christian sociologists are studying the phenomenon and, and helping us understand the challenges of secularism. And what that's bringing in our in, into our country, I think also this whole sense of individualism and pluralism,
1: mm.
2: where Canadians, um, we're still spiritual. But it's, it's kind of like going to a smorgasbord, and we pick up the pieces that we like. We pick up the spiritual ideas and concepts mm-hmm. that are comfortable for us. Um, and so if, if prayer seems like a good thing, then we'll adopt prayer. Um, if meditating seems like a good thing, we'll, we'll adopt meditating. If spending time in nature and worshiping nature makes us feel good, we'll throw that in as well. And we create these um, personalized religious ideas that, um, that draws away from biblical Christianity and discipleship and, and creates this confusion for people um, where we just seek out what's comfortable mm. and, uh, and, and create our own religion. And I think what we need in Canada is real discipleship that draws people back to biblical principles mm-hmm. that are understood within the context of 21st century Canada and I think our churches have often struggled to contextualize the gospel, Um, and we think that what was effective back in the 50s and 60s will continue to work today, and it doesn't, Mm -hmm. and so we need to find new ways of helping churches be relevant in their communities. I ask churches all the time. I ask pastors all the time, what would happen if your church was taken out of your community? What if the Mm -hmm. Lord were to rapture your church today? Who would miss you? Would they even notice that your church was gone? Would they notice that your people had left? Um, or, or would you just disappear without a, any sign or without any trace? Because if our churches aren't having an impact in our communities, then, then the, the perception that we're irrelevant is probably true. And so we need to find ways to help. Christians today live out their faith in a way that's contextualized and relevant in a world that is vastly different than what it was just a short decade ago
0: so how is outreach canada like what are some of the things that you're doing in the churches that you work with to help them um get to that place like if we had some church leaders listening what are some things that they can do to kind of this shift that's happening in canada that they can begin to go okay i don't want to you know sit in this comfortable place but i want to be impacting the community or the people around us
2: churches um, pastors small group leaders and and the average uh, person sitting in a pew on Sunday need to spend more time looking outside they need to spend more time sitting in the local coffee shop and observing what's going on around Mm -hmm. them Um, sometimes it's even good for a pastor to miss church on Sunday and go for a walk in his community and um, and see what's going on Mm -hmm. often we we program our church services with this idea that people are are waiting for something and waiting for an invitation and once we get it just right they're going to come but the reality is probably 95% of our community is doing other things on Sunday morning, and they don't need something else uh, competing with those other things, whether it's sleeping and going for coffee, uh, taking their dog for a walk, you know, watching the kids play soccer in the park. Sundays are a busy day. And I think we need to understand our community and find ways that we can be relevant. I think that we need to get out and make friends Mm-hmm. Uh, so many people today don't know their neighbors. If we could be more intentional and in just getting to know the the neighbors uh, that live within four or five houses of us, and um, sharing life with them, uh, not always sharing the gospel. Um, mm-hmm. People have people know what the gospel is in a lot of cases, and they've been uh, repelled by it. What they need to see is the gospel lived out in our lives. If we all uh, spent the rest of our lives trying to um, live out the story of the Good Samaritan, I think we would have a tremendous impact in our nation um, just by loving one another, uh, getting dirty. And Mm -hmm. helping people, getting into the trenches, working hard, sacrificing to love and to share with with people. I think the way that our nation is growing right now is our most rapid growth is coming through immigration. Mm -hmm. And many of those new immigrants coming into Canada, some would suggest up to 40%, are coming as Christians and uh, they have they've they're bringing a new vitality we need to learn from them. Uh, we need to meet the Filipino Christians in our neighborhood and learn from them. We need to meet the the African Christians who have come to our neighborhoods and learn from them there's things in their cultures there's things that uh, as a part of their heritage that we 've lost. I think hospitality is a big thing that we 've lost um, we 've spent centuries. Of, of observing hospitality in the realm of entertaining and um, you know the whole idea of professional hospitality in hotels and restaurants and so forth. And we've lost the biblical sense of uh, just loving people who are different. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Greek word for hospitality uh, is a combination of the word brotherly love and stranger. And showing love to strangers uh, is something that church needs to do more of. So, when we work with churches, we try to encourage them to find ways to live out their faith in a practical, um, loving, connecting with community, demonstrating true biblical hospitality, um, crossing cultures, understanding people who are different. And we have different ministries that we're involved with that uh, do discipleship training, uh, ministry training, uh, Kairos course, perspectives course, things like that that equip people. To live out their lives in a missional way, but none of it really happens until we're willing to uh, go and shake hands with a stranger, introduce ourselves, and um, start a new friendship.
1: Wow this is uh, this is so so good, Craig. I uh, you know so we were as a ministry that's where we are at as well is in helping churches and you know initially for many years we were doing international ministry crusades around the world and then a couple of years ago the Lord began to speak to us about helping churches locally and working through the local church to reach communities and uh, it's amazing that you're, you're talking about this question that you ask churches which is you know, we asked the exact same question as well. Um, and so, uh, as I'm listening to you, I'm also obviously filtering this through some of the conversations I've had and some of the challenges we face as well in the Toronto area, working with churches and mobilizing churches to be involved in mission. Um, and so, one of it is how do we break through cultural Christianity and the expectations of what a church ought to do and what a pastor ought to do, what a what a Christian ought to do, what the services we ought to have, and I mean, I'm not saying any of these are bad, but, you know, you've got to have certain services for good Friday and then Easter and then Sunday services got to be this long and here's how it's, it's it should be organized and structured. And uh, you, you've got all these dates on the calendar that um, that require you, you're almost forced to, you know, it's not biblical, it's more cultural. And so people, at the end of the day, when you look at people's lives, there's so much going on uh, between work and family and mm-hmm. the, the demands of just the organization of the church and the need for, you know, volunteer hours from key people. And, you know, I don't know if the stats even fully accurate, but I think it's generally true that 20% of the people do 80% of the work at church. So meaning the people that are the most engaged are actually heavily committed and are doing so much. How do we help people find opportunities to look outside and to sit and watch because most people in the church who are passionate and are involved would say, "Well, Craig, I don't have the time to sit and watch." Because you have no idea all the stuff I do at the church to keep the programs running mm-hmm. on top of everything else I do in life. So, yeah. what do you what do you, what do you say? What do you say to that person? How do they live out on on mission?
2: You know, culture is a, a very difficult thing to shift and change. We can change our beliefs. And we can change our attitudes a lot faster than we can change our culture. Mm. Um, I can spend a lot of time talking about that. And I'm sure we can all think of examples of things that are a part of our culture that um, it's almost impossible to shift, almost impossible to change. Um, and, and we're talking about discipling a nation That involves changing culture. So how do you do that? One of my professors in seminary many years ago taught about the small wins theory. Mm. And often we think about the big things and how are we going to, you know, get a great big win for the kingdom. And he said, Often the big win comes through a whole bunch of small wins, the little things, small adjustments. Um, And when we talk about time in such a busy world, uh, how do we carve out five minutes in our day just to, to pray, just to ask the Lord about our community? I had an idea, I think it was last year. I thought, wouldn't it be neat if we could initiate something across Canada where we had a walk to church Sunday? Now maybe you have enough influence with this podcast that we can initiate something national, but imagine what would happen.
1: <laughs> I'd love to see that happen. <laughs> what, if,
2: what would happen? You know, first of all, some of us would have a lot of trouble because we were commuters and we already are driving half an hour to get to our church. Right. And maybe we would have to pick a local church to visit on that Sunday. But <laughs> what would happen if we walked to church and spent that time observing and praying for the homes and the people that we see between our house and the local church. Mm. I think that if we were to take that kind of time to pray, to ask the Lord, uh, he would give us those small wins. He would show us what we need to do because I don't think there's one grand scheme that's going to work in Toronto and work in Vancouver and work in Edmonton. I think all of our churches are unique They're as unique as the people that make them up. And I think we need to uh, seek the Holy Spirit to find out who has God put in this place? Mm -hmm. Who has God gathered in this congregation? And how is he calling us specifically to be a lighthouse in this neighborhood? What are the connections that we have? What are the connections we need to make? Mm -hmm. I think when congregations take time to pray, when they take time to reflect, when they take time to think and ask the Lord and are open to hearing from Him, they'll know. The Lord will show them what they need to do, and it's going to be different in Fort St. John. It's going to be different in uh, Manitoba, and it's going to be different in your congregation. Uh, But God is calling each one of us to something special and unique, as unique as my calling into ministry as a third generation uh, pastor's kid, and, and the, the unique way that God led me on this journey, including getting sick in the Philippines, pastoring churches in BC and Alberta, um, spending time in Africa to where I am now. I think that God has a purpose for each of our congregations that's just as unique. And He is working in exactly the same way to equip us with the people and the vision. Um, we just need to be sensitive, we need to listen to God's voice and we need to be obedient. I think that's the hard part, is most of us know what we could be doing. Mm. We're just afraid to do it.
1: I think, Craig, the word unique, that's interesting because what it implies is that there's a specific way, a specific um, strategy, uh, methodology, uh, that God wants every Christian and every church to uh, adopt in order to reach the people God's calling them uh, or that person to reach. And I think in there lies the challenge because we are so used to in a culture of having this herd mentality where we do what everybody else is doing. Mm-hmm. So we look mm-hmm. at America, we look at what's popular, what's working, who's the big name there. And I mean, in Canada as well, but you know how us Canadians, I feel like, you know, as an immigrant to Canada, it's interesting. I have this perspective of Canada that is, you know, it, it's like, it's like there's a fence and you're constantly looking at your neighbor's yard to see what's he doing? How, what's, what's going on there? Cause there's not, you know, RER is not as exciting. So, what's happening across the on the other side is just coming from from the Eastern world. That's what I just sense uh, from the Canadian context. And so, we're constantly looking at our neighbors to the south and what's happening, and we're trying to implement all of this. Uh, and yet, uh, you know, I think God wants the church to do something, as you're saying, unique in our Canadian context because the reality is Canada is very different um, from the from the U.S., especially from the Bible Belt of the U.S. for sure. Um, but, but part of the challenge is how far is too far, you know? And, and so when we talk about outreach, when we talk about being missional, being incarnational, um, identifying as you're talking, even with the cultures that are coming into our country, uh, how do you find the balance between, you know, not compromising on your faith, your values and, and what the Bible teaches, but at the same time, um, uh, you know, as you were, you were talking earlier about even, you know, your family and your kids and stuff is... You know, you you want to be in the world. You want to be relatable. You want to be able to connect with people. You want to be able to have a non-Christian, non-religious conversation uh, with people in your community. And I think a lot of times as Christians, we just don't even we're not even equipped to do that because we surround ourselves or immerse ourselves in Christian lingo, Christian culture, Christianese, uh, and so we're disconnected. So how do we do that in our culture? Where do you feel Canada is when it comes to Engaging to um, the church engaging with culture and um, maybe some maybe some input on if a, if a Christian who's passionate about reaching people or a church leader who's passionate about reaching their community is listening, uh, how do I find that balance
2: Corey Denbach uh, just did a presentation a couple weeks ago at the um, Evangelical Missiological Society. And in her presentation, she she gave a paper and she talked about um, her denomination, the United Church in Canada, that 80 years ago was one of the most aggressive, evangelical church planting movements in North America, Uh, along with the Anglicans. They had a vision to plant a church in every community in Canada. And we look around today and they're there. The buildings are there. Um, and so for 40 years, they they grew and they thrived. And then over the last 40 years, we've seen this massive decline and deterioration. And uh, she shared from her perspective, um, part of it was even looking at some of the stories from the U.S. and some of those stereotypes of what a, a Christian, what an evangelical is. And... And her, in her words said, we don't want to be that Christian. We don't want to be that guy. And so trying to be popular, trying to fit in with society um, started a trend and a movement that uh, starts to whittle away at the core of what we are as Christians and who we are as Christians. I think it's really important for us in today's um, pluralistic societies with um, secularization growing and and, and touching almost everything that we do, we have to hold fast to Scripture. We have to hold fast to the values and those ancient paths of, of following Christ. But we do it in a new way. And we have to, we can't be afraid to engage our culture. We can't be afraid to engage the society we live in. And I think that's one of the places where our churches are often failing. Um, we're not preaching on the things, on the quest, to the questions that our communities are asking. We're not addressing the issues that our young people are wrestling with. Um, they want to know about gender, they want to know mm-hmm. about. Um, Economics. They want to know about um, how the nations all fit into God's um, you know, grand scheme and, and the way that he describes Israel and its relationship to the world in Revelation. And we're not preaching on those subjects. Um, I, and I'm all for good, sound, exegetical, biblical preaching, but we need to make sure that we're touching on the issues that our kids are asking. Uh, We have a generation that we're going to lose if we don't find a way to address their questions in a relevant, honest, um, biblical, and conservative way. Because they're going to find the answer somewhere else. If I don't talk to my kids about... about drugs and the effects of drugs you know as we're we're legalizing more things in our country does that mean it's okay and um where are we preaching about those kinds of things how are we helping to shape the worldview of the next generation in a biblical way uh, when there's these topics that we're afraid to address when the topics of um, sex outside of marriage, living together before marriage, the statistics within the Christian community uh, match that of the secular world. um, We're losing ground um, because we're afraid to preach about those things. We're afraid to talk about them. Uh, We're afraid to be, you know, that Christian, that conservative person who's out of touch with the world, who's so conservative that they just don't get it. Um, And that's a slippery slope to be on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's not easy. I think being a pastor today is harder than it's ever been since the church was born, other than maybe if you're in a persecuted country. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for here in North America, it's hard because pastors need to understand our times We need to be the men of issachar we need to research we need to know our communities we need to be talking to teenagers young adults and finding out what are their questions what are the issues they're wrestling with and we need to tackle them we need to hit those hard subjects we need to work through them and we may not have all the answers we need to be honest Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of people outside of the church have lost faith in religion, in organized religion, they've lost faith in pastors because they don't think we're honest because we won't tackle the the hard questions with honest answers. And so, I think it's it's a hard call, but it's it's one that our generation needs to wake up to. We we've got to do a better job of answering the hard questions, being relevant, providing solid. Um, biblical answers biblical modeling biblical discipleship uh, for people who aren't asking the questions that I was asking as a teenager 35 years ago we've got to answer today's questions
0: so so what would you say to a pastor or leader um, even a church leader or maybe it's just someone who is a uh, serving in a ministry or you know just the everyday christian some in um encouragement or hope in terms of okay how can we uh begin to turn this around like you know that that let's become um you know relevant to or let's become sorry let's become back into kind of where those numbers are reversed in a sense what what kind of encouragement or hope would you give to um you know people who are listening now that going forward this is what we can do going forward this is the change that we can make
2: i think that in our culture our society celebrates um big wins we all want to win the Stanley Cup. We all want to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's no different uh, when we're in the church. We love to talk about big statistics if we have them, and we'll avoid them like the plague if we don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we feel like we're not a successful evangelist if we're not seeing the kind of results that Billy Graham saw. Um, yeah. And I I think of the life of Jesus. There were times when Jesus went up on a mountainside and had 5,000 men, and who knows how many women and children there um, listening to him. But they weren't at the foot of the cross. Mm -hmm. When he went to the cross, he went pretty much alone. Uh, What Jesus did in his three or so years of ministry was invest in 12 people. He poured himself into his disciples, and even one of them didn't make the cut. I think that we need to aim smaller and see smaller wins and celebrate them. Um, I'm a pastor, I'm a missionary, and I'm not expecting 5,000 people to come up on the hillside to listen to me. But if I can invest my life into 10 people... Um, in a significant way, if I can model for them what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ in such a way that they will model that for others. We need to be making disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples to the end of the age. Um, I think one of the, the the greatest pieces of advice I've heard you know, in the last few months came from a secular author. Um, Thomas Friedman wrote the book, Thank You for Being Late, And I haven't read the whole book yet. I just started into it. But in his introduction, he said, there are times in our lives when we need to thank people for being late because as you sit in the coffee shop waiting for that person, that might be the only time you have 10 or 15 minutes in your day just to sit and think. We need to carve out time. We need to make ourselves less busy. We need to make make space, make margin in our life to invest in the lives of others. We need to identify one or two or three people that we can start pouring into and investing with. And I don't think discipleship is about going through, you know, a curriculum I grew up going through curriculums where you'd finish, you know, a series of chapters in a book, you'd memorize a bunch of scriptures, you'd read through something, and at the end you'd kind of check the box off. Okay, I've been discipled. But I think discipleship, it involves, you know, a curriculum. There is a guide to what we need to learn, but it's more about spending life together. It's more about investing and helping, in an honest way, helping people Experience the challenges and the joys of life as a Christian. You know, walking people through the challenge. I'm walking with a, a student who's in a university right now that I'm. Uh, I have the privilege of mentoring, and we get together about once a month, and we talk about life. And I share my challenges. I share the things that are really getting me down. Um, the things that I've struggled with. Um, and and then how I'm allowing my faith to shape my response and, and modeling that for him so that he knows that as a Christian, we're going to have days when we don't have the answers. And we're going to have days when we, we just really feel down and we don't know what we're going to do or how we're going to handle something. But then also, how do we respond as a Christian? How do we apply God's word um, when we're tired, when we're exhausted, when we've... Um, procrastinated and now we're up against a deadline. We have assignments that are due and um, and people that need our time and a church worship team that needs us to be there to practice. How do we put all those things together? How do we cope with that as Christians? And that's those are the needs of life that um, we need to help the next generation model for them how we cope with it in the good times and the bad times.
1: Mm. Um, Craig, I want to wrap up uh, the podcast with um, just asking you about how you're developing leaders, how your ministry is developing leaders across the nation. You know, part of what you do is, uh, you know, you you were just talking about the next generation, but you're also modeling, coaching, um, and walking with leaders across our nation and uh, uh, who hopefully will influence the people that they're leading. Uh, when it comes to mission, when it comes to serving God, when it comes to reaching people. How are you doing that across the nation today? And what's what's happening in the area of leadership development across Canada?
2: Um, in a nutshell, um, kind of our motto here at Outreach Canada is, is we exist to serve leaders and disciple our nation. Everything we do. Uh, relates to one or the other or both. And so we work with a lot of leaders, sometimes in a formal uh, relationship, uh, we may have a coaching contract with a pastor where we'll work with them and like an executive coach. Mm -hmm. Um, And that that can be a formal thing. And, And often, It's informal. Uh, We've developed networks and and relationships, and we call guys, and we know when people are going through hard times, and they call us. Uh, Working with churches in transition connects us with a lot of pastors that are um, often at the stage, you know, right on the, the verge of burnout or, or stress fractures. And, uh, we get to walk with them and pray with them and encourage them and, uh, help them know that they're not alone. We, we know we've got the Holy Spirit, but they also have a brother in the Lord or a sister in the Lord that's walking with them and cares and prays with them and, um, is on the journey with them. We do a lot of that. We're involved in a lot of ministries where there's programs and curriculums. Um, We host the Canadian network of ministry to Muslims. Church planting Canada was born out of our ministry. Um, We have the, uh, Corporate Chaplains Canada uh, is one of our ministries where we serve in the marketplace. Um, in all of these things, we we have goals and we have programs and we have curriculums that we can use for discipling or, or working with a church on vision or working through a transition or using curriculums to help um, develop people for missions. But it really all comes down to relationships. Mm-hmm. And so on our team, while we have big, big jobs, big responsibilities. We do conferences, we do training events. All of our team members are expected to be investing in two to three to four people on the side, because I think it's in those relationships where we're truly developing the next generation of leaders or coming alongside and extending the life of leaders who are burning out um, or sharpening the skills of a leader who has, you know, Uh, been leading for a long time and is watched by a lot of people, but still needs people who he can talk to and people who can pray for him and hold him up. And so we, we aim big and we also aim small. We have big goals, but we also look at ways that if we're not practicing it, we can't teach and train others to do something we're not doing
1: ourselves. That's very good. If there was one thing that you are passionate about or you are praying about, and this may be one of those, big goals uh, for pastors and even marketplace leaders in Canada, Christian uh, marketplace leaders in Canada. If there's one thing that you would say, you know what, I would love to see this happen uh, with leaders across our nation. Uh, What would that one thing be uh, that you are really praying for, that you're really looking uh, to see God do amongst uh, uh, leaders across Canada? I think you know, in speaking to leaders,
2: I think God is calling all of us to make disciples. And so if we're truly leading as a Christian leader, we need to, to look back and see who are the disciples who are following us. And um, as Christian leaders, we all need to be, a, I, be able to identify that small number of people that we are investing our life in. Um, and it's gotta be a small number cause we don't have enough life to invest in a, in a large number. Right. Um, you know, Jesus poured himself into 12 people and, and there were others around, but those are the ones that was the heart. It was the core. They were different. They were very diverse. Um, Peter and John were two entirely different people, um, and we need to be doing the same. We need to be identifying those people that we have an opportunity to invest in and then pour ourselves into them, invite them into our lives, invite them into our challenges, invite them into our devotions um, as we just kind of share our walk with Christ with them. I'm, I'm afraid that's the only way the next generation is going to develop um, the depth that they need to pass on an authentic Christianity to the generation that follows them.
0: It's well, good. That's really- Thank you so much. It's, you know, that's what we're really. Um, this podcast is about. I'm really empowering and encouraging people to go look. You know, we need to live on mission. We need to be. T- Be disciples and make disciples. So incredible insight, especially from someone who's leading from a national perspective. So thank you very much. Thank you. It's been
1: a pleasure and an honor. Craig, if our our listeners want to connect with you, where and how could they reach out to you? If they're saying, hey, I want to be mentored uh, by Craig uh, Mm Craft and uh, Outreach Canada, what would they do? How would they reach you?
2: Um, you can find us on the web, uh, at outreach.ca, okay. um, or you could email me at ccraft at C K R A F T at outreach.ca.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Craig, again, for being on the podcast. We appreciate uh, your time and your insight. And I know that our listeners, um, have been blessed, uh, listening, uh, to, uh, to everything that you shared. So thanks again. Yeah.
2: Thanks, Fanu. Thanks, Emily. I look forward to hearing who you guys are discipling next time we get together.
1: Awesome. Yeah.
2: Okay, sure. take, care. take care, have a great day.
1: Yeah, yeah. Emily, I was so inspired by uh, Craig's, uh, the conversation we had with Craig. I mean, uh, obviously he joined us all the way from the other side of Canada, the West Coast in Vancouver. And uh, what I really enjoyed in uh, about our conversation with him was when he talked about this idea of small wins. You know, to be frank with you, Emily, when I was going into the interview with Craig, I thought we were going to get this incredible, like, you know, sort of uh, the five plan point strategy Mm -hmm. to transform Canada for Jesus. And, and I'm not saying that Craig didn't give it to us, but he gave it to us in a way that I thought was so practical. And uh, what really stood out to me was he talked about this idea of small wins. You know, if you want to do big things, start with small things, start with small wins. If every person focused on small, Wins, it would amount to becoming a big thing for the kingdom of God. Uh-huh. That was uh, just such great wisdom, uh, because sometimes we focus on on these big goals, but we're not really making um, practical step, or taking practical steps to accomplish small wins in our day to day life.
0: Yeah. It's important to understand that everything that we do is significant. So seeds that are planted, people that we pour into. And, you know, he said something like we don't, it doesn't always mean we're preaching the gospel to them. Sometimes it's just befriending them and inviting them into your home and that opens up opportunities. And so that was an encouragement and just how every day we can see, um, those areas where we can plant seeds. Yeah, and
1: you know, he, he talked about being unique. And that's part mm-hmm. of the beauty of it is that, you know, each of us is so different and uniquely created by God that we can connect with unique people, yeah. you know? And so when, when we're able to say, you know what, I'm just gonna identify five people that are like me, that have the same life experience as I am, or maybe are on the same stage of life. So if I'm going to be, if I'm a, a mother of of a couple of little kids and I'm going to find other mothers that are going through Mm -hmm. the similar things. And what I love about it is with that strategy, you have so much in common, you know, Christian or not, raising children is a challenge. There's there's Mm -hmm. some common things that every mother goes through. And so you're able to relate uh, to those mothers and build a friendship that can then eventually lead uh, to conversations about faith and, uh, and the gospel. So that I thought that was just, just really relevant.
0: Yeah, and each of us in the same sense with unique is that we all have something to give. Everybody has, you know, and so for some people, it may be um, a platform that they're working from. And other people, it could be, you know, administrative tasks or skills. It could be, um, you know, just that people personality and for other people it is in the areas of teaching or training and just how all of us are made uniquely and to be able to even use that in our everyday of pouring into people and finding people who are like-minded
1: absolutely so friends listen i hope you will uh... Uh, listen to this podcast again, and maybe even share it with others that you know will be blessed encouraged, inspired to make a practical difference uh, and influence the lives that God has placed them around. So with that, thanks again for joining us for this episode of Mission Connect Podcast. As always, we love hearing from our listeners. You can email us at missionconnect at Check us out online at passiontreach.com. And also remember the resource we shared at the beginning of this podcast, the outreach opportunity where we can help churches, equip churches, I should say, to reach their communities. It's CanadaCan.org is the website for that organization and would love for you to connect with us there as well. So with that, thanks for joining us for this episode of Mission Connect. God bless you. Thank
0: you for tuning in for another episode of Mission Connect. Join us next week. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes.